0: And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We continue our study on Advent in Psalm 103 this week as Pastor Joel brings the message, love.
1: Uh, I just want to spend a few minutes uh, this morning. Uh, we come to our fourth week of Advent, which is, um, which is concerned on love. So I just want to spend a few minutes uh, focusing us on, on that. We'll be reading from Psalm 103 this morning. If you want to follow along, well, it'll be up on the screen, but also uh, the Bible in front of you. It'll be on page 470. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, take that Bible home. That's a, uh, your first Christmas present. That's a gift to you. Uh, Psalm 103. This is a, a Psalm of David. It says, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. The Lord is actually there in all capital letters. And if you've been around church at all, you know it's actually the name of uh, the Lord himself. It's the name Yahweh, the name that he gave to Moses, this personal revelation of who God was to someone. Uh, The revelation of this almighty, all-powerful God to humanity uh, in a name of, of Yahweh. And David says, Bless Yahweh, O my soul. And my soul, the Old Testament soul, is actually uh, everything that encompasses your being. It's your life, it's your body, it's your emotions, your feelings, your, your rationale, your intellect, your whole being. He says, bless Yahweh, this God who has revealed himself to humanity. Oh, my soul, everything that is within me, bless his holy name. Yahweh. Bless Yahweh O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Yahweh works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Yahweh is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so Yahweh shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of Yahweh is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, Yahweh has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless Yahweh, O oh, you angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Yahweh, O oh, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless Yahweh, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless Yahweh. Oh, my soul, with everything that is in me, bless this God who revealed himself to humanity. And the only way we can sing this song with any like meaning or, or truth in it at all is because we have Christmas. Is because God Almighty stepped into the broken world and he came as a helpless babe. John says it like this in his letter in 1 John 4 and verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God, it was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And God adds a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's, let's pray, and I just want to have a couple of comments. Lord, as we uh, yeah. pause for just a few minutes to, to see the story of you come in, incarnate in humanity and how that's the greatest love story that's been ever told. And Lord, I pray that everyone would receive that gift this morning. Everyone would, would know the gift of your son, and his holy righteousness, and his life, and how far we fall short, but the gift of forgiveness and redemption and all our sins can be uh, forgiven. Lord, in the resurrection, all our our diseases will be gone, will be redeemed from the pit. Lord, we have eternal life. All of that through the love that you showed by sending your Son. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us each that gift this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love is more than an emotion and more than a feeling. Uh, Love uh, can be really defined like this. It's a a faithful act of the highest good for someone else. A a faithful act for the highest good of someone else. Uh, Love moves towards someone in their brokenness to be there with them for their highest good. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't care if they make the news at all. Love steps towards the hurting and the broken for their highest good. Love is a faithful act for the highest good of another. And when you think about that, you see that all over the place, and displayed in, in some simple ways that are very profound. Uh, I don't know, how many of you know Dr. Bob Sison? Anybody, Dr. Bob Sisson. Uh, I'll tell you the story of this man, who is an example, I think, of the love of Jesus. He uh, he got his doctorate. He was a family practitioner, had a very good clinic. Uh, by worldly standards, he had everything: uh, a good job, paycheck, a nice, comfortable home. He lived in the in the country in East County. Everything was great, but the Lord was calling on his on his life that he needed to step out of that. Uh, And so, I think it's almost been 20 years ago now, he gave up his practice, he downsized his home, and he opened uh, the Good News Health Clinic in Rockwood. Uh, He lived off of support for a little while, and then finally his savings, uh, to sit with people who, some of them didn't speak English at all, some of them who were hurting and in pain, uh, to open this clinic, to be there to walk towards them, and he would care for their bodies and their sicknesses, but at the end of every appointment that he had, he would say, how can I pray for you? And he would pray for them right there. Or they would say, no thanks, and he'd be like, I'm going to pray for you anyway, but we won't do it together. He stepped forward in this faithful act for the highest good of of someone else. In other words, you could say that Dr. Bob, he was loving the people in our community that were the most uh, Un, like, unrepresented and the, and the hurting in our community. He loved them. We also see this displayed in, in a man who's sometimes a complicated man named Henry uh, Nguyen. Uh, you might recognize that name if you've read it all um, in, in kind of any religious studies. Henry Nguyen was a Catholic priest, uh, but he was gifted with this intellect and this genius that he, uh, he actually made a lot of um, People in the Catholic Church didn't like him. People in the Protestant Church didn't really accept him. He was kind of right in, in the middle uh, of everyone. But he had this intellect about him that began this in- interdisciplinary study of both theology and psychology. Uh, he was one of the first ones to pioneer that. And, and he was so smart. Uh, that Notre Dame said, "Hey, come be a professor here." So he was a priest, and he was a professor at Notre Dame. His notoriety like soared as he wrote these books and had these uh, conferences that he would speak at. Uh, so that Yale, so you know, you heard Yale, kind of a smart school. Uh, they recruited him from Notre Dame to come to Yale to be a professor uh, at Yale. So you've arrived. If you're a professor at Yale, you're at one of the academic elites. Am I right? Like, I think you're you're smart. But even from there, Harvard called him and said, we want you to come to Harvard. But at this point, he was elite of the elite, so he negotiated his contract with Harvard. And he said, OK, I'll work for you for six months, and then I want a six-month sabbatical in which you'll pay me, uh, and I'll get to do whatever I want for those six months. So you you have to be like the professor of the professors to go to Harvard, this v- very you know, elite Ivy League school and go, this is what I want to do. Just try going to work on uh, next week and go, hey, here's the contract. I'd like to work six months, and then I want off for six months and see what your boss says. Uh, my guess is they're going to say no. But for Henry Nguyen, Harvard says, yes, anything to get you here. Well, during that time, he was also uh, affiliating and associating with this French organization that started a long time ago called uh, I'm going to say it in French La which in English means the Ark. So he did this thing. He was part of this Ministry of the Ark, which was actually these small communities in which mentally disabled people would live amongst just other people, and they'd live in a community and function together. And so here here is this professor of professor who he'd teach and notoriety and fame and a great paycheck. For, for six months, in the other six months, he would go and live in these communities, uh, and he lived in one here, just a small group, nobody writing about him, not doing anything. Uh, and he finally, at the end of his life, for the last 10 years, he quit Harvard and lived completely in the ark with mentally disabled people loving them. He, he didn't care about all the other stuff. He was demonstrating this, this love, the this stead. Steadfast, faithful act to move towards someone who who needed help for their highest good. This is what he he said about his time. He said, L'Arc is not a service institution or a group home. It's a community that exists to reveal God's love. Our people are given to the world to tell others about peace and forgiveness and celebration, to make them aware that in the midst of their brokenness, there is joy. In the midst of their wounded nature, there is healing. But if you know anything about Henry, you, you might realize that I think the ark was so powerful in his life because he too was a broken man looking for the love and acceptance of, of God. And we see examples like this all around you, probably in your family and your friends, uh, for those in your community who, who do these like, faithful acts to the highest good of someone else. But even in all that, it's kind of a mixed mixed bag, because we all kind of are mixed bags. And as great as the examples of Dr. Bob Sison, if he was here today, or if Henry Nguyen, if he was still alive and here today, uh, these examples just pale in comparison. I mean, there's not even close to the comparison of what it looked like for a God of all creation to come down as a baby in a manger. There's, there's nothing that compares to that. That God just didn't come down and appear as this mighty warrior or even a full-grown man and come in. It's the God of all creation came down as a vulnerable, helpless babe. <laughs> Imagine this. The God of creation who speaks galaxies into existence with his words takes on the flesh, the The dust people that he has created, he becomes like one of them. The all-powerful God steps into our world, into time, in a broken mess of the world in the most vulnerable way possible, as a baby. A baby. Think, Think about it. A baby, it can't go anywhere unless someone carries it. It just lays there. If a baby's hungry, it can't feed himself. Somebody has to feed him. He can't communicate. He can't do anything but lay there and put his trust and hope in the people around him won't kill him. Jesus, God Almighty, born as a vulnerable baby to a young Jewish couple that had never been parents before you've been parents, you know that day when you bring your child home and you're like, what am I doing? God Almighty wraps himself in flesh and trusts himself to this young Jewish couple that are like, we're going to get some things wrong. And I'm sure they did. Jesus, God Almighty, who put the stars in the sky with the fingers, is born to this young couple And and Mary must have been like, uh, as she's holding this baby and moving him around, uh, maybe messing up in times, moving his hands to put them together so that she can swaddle him. It may not have been where Jesus' hands even wanted to go, but Jesus humbles himself so much to be born in that that vulnerable thing. And, And so he's wrapped and swaddled And then laid down in not even his own bed, but a borrowed bed. His hands were moved and placed where they didn't want to be, to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. If you think about this, God Almighty bound in flesh and a swaddling cloth and laid to rest. And that's the moment. Like, that's the moment that the angels. Burst forth in song and praise. Praise Him, all you angels, all you hosts. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill towards men at that moment. And you could ask, He hasn't done anything. He's just laying there. Why are we praising Him? I can understand. Okay, Easter. Come back on Easter. Great. It's a great message, right? But Christmas... That baby's born, yay, that's good, but isn't it just for like later? Why do we celebrate Christmas when he's just laying there? Why do they celebrate the birth of this baby? And I think if the angels would be here today to tell you, they would say, because that's when the greatest display of love ever began. That God Almighty stepped out of his power and might and comfort and everything he wanted to be born as a helpless baby. To be given to this young Jewish couple who moved his hands the way they, they wanted them to, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a borrowed bed. This began the most faithful act for our highest good. This was a display of love. When you think about it, 33 years later, Jesus lives for another 33 years, and at the end of his life, his hands are once again moved by broken people to places where he didn't want them to go, on a cross. He's taken from that cross and brought down off the cross. He's wrapped in a linen uh, cloth and laid to rest in a borrowed bed. But death flesh that cloth that could not hold him down he would rise again and that cloth would be left behind and it symbolized that cloth symbolized the the completion of the greatest love story ever the completion of this greatest faithful act for other people's highest good Let me just read that, and then I have one more comment at the end. In in Luke 23, we find this. And and as you're there, as as we're reading this, just think of all the symbolisms that are similar to the Christmas story. Uh, We we have people coming bringing spices uh, there. Uh, We we have wrapped and laid down in uh, a manger. We have the the testimony. We have angels uh, here as well. Just listen. Uh, Luke 23 and verse 50. Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. That was to, to kill Jesus. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb. A tomb cut in stone where no one else had yet been laid. It was a day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and and how the body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and, and ointments. Chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women uh, with them who told them these these things to the apostles. But these words seemed, seemed like an idle tale and they did not believe them. So Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. Love had come down. It entered our broken, messy world in the most vulnerable, helpless place. So I don't know where you are this morning, but if you're feeling like even being in a church and you're feeling very vulnerable, well, Jesus has been there. If you're feeling helpless in your situation, Jesus has been there. But the, but the flesh and the cloth and the problems did not hold him down. He moved towards us in our brokenness for our highest good to offer salvation to offer Psalm 103, to forgive all of our iniquities, to heal all our diseases, to redeem our lives from the pit, to crown us with steadfast love and mercy, to satisfy us with good. Salvation, forgiveness, healing, redemption, goodness. We celebrate that today as Jesus is born. We celebrate love We see this baby in a manger, God who is love, expressing himself, revealing himself through Jesus. So, as we look at Jesus in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, I think each one of us should see the gift that is on offer for each one of us. It's a gift. But just like a gift under the tree, it it has to be received. It's a gift that, that's been given, but if you don't reach out and go, yes, I need this, I want this, then the gift just sits there. And how sad it is if there's like a gift under the Christmas tree that nobody wants to open. Wouldn't that, that would hurt your feelings? Like, But well, Jesus, this faithful act for our highest good is offering us this gift of forgiveness and redemption this morning. And if you've taken that gift, uh, then you know, uh, just like John says, if you've taken that gift of love, then it's your duty to then to like spread it to other people and give it out to other people. It's, it's inexhaustible. It's from everlasting to everlasting. And so our job then, as believers who follow Jesus, is to be people who, who love one another, who, this overflowing of love. But it's a gift you have to take. Let me ask, have you taken that gift today? Have you received it? Uh, If not, it's super easy. Uh, You just say, Lord, I need the gift. I'm I'm a sinner. Uh, I can't. I have all these sins. I have all this brokenness inside me. Uh, I need your redemption and your forgiveness. And and if you'd like to do that, I'm sure anyone would pray with you. If you have family members here, tell them. They would love to pray with you. And, And this would be the greatest Christmas ever because you would receive the gift of love this, this steadfast, faithful act for your highest good that Jesus came down in a baby. Which should allow us all to say, bless the Lord, bless Yahweh, this God who reveals himself through his son. Oh, my soul, everything that is within me. Uh, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have the men's quartet come up, and then we have a choir, and then we'll ask you all to join in, in singing as well. Lord, thank you for the ultimate gift that you came down, you came as a vulnerable, uh, helpless babe to live a perfectly righteous life so that your death and your resurrection can be counted for us. That as we look at the, the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger, Lord, that we, we would see uh, the God who um, laid his life down for us. That we would remember the, that salvation and forgiveness is found through you, uh, through your son. And that we would receive that gift even this, even this morning and this Christmas time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church.